0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to be here together this morning and to be sharing with you um, I just have a couple of uh, things I want to share before I get into, into the preach. Um, a lot of you will know I'm a youth pastor here in Emanuel Church, so I um, just want to give a little update um, about what's been going on with some of our young people over the summer, um, and then we'll get into, stuck into James chapter 3. Um, now, it feels like a long time ago, but way back in June at Nure, um God showed up and moved uh, in a powerfully and significant way. Um, in our young people, and I believe when God shows up and moves, it's important to share the story, to tell the story, and I know there's people maybe in the room who, who maybe don't even know what happened, um, but basically, at New with our young people, there was just such a, a depth of hunger and longing for God, like, I, I've actually, that I've never seen before uh, in a room of young people, and this was started on the Friday night and continued throughout the whole weekend, but particularly on the Saturday night, we... Um, Our session was due to finish at 8.30 and we had a silent disco plan from 9 to 10, um, but the young people just wanted to keep worshipping. So we decided to move the silent disco from 9 to 10 to 10 to 11 um, and we told the young people when the session finished at half 8, if you want, come back at 9 o'clock for some late night worship from 9 to 10. Um, And so we closed up at at half 8, sent them out, um, hoping that some people might come back and we kind of got the tent sorted. Um, cleared things away and got set up. And I peeked out of the tent at about 8.45, and I saw a queue of young people, about 135, lining up, waiting to get into the tent to come and worship God. Those young people could have gone and enjoyed the food trucks, the fire pits, the s'mores, got some sleep in their tent, enjoyed sports or games, but they, they chose to come and worship God. And about 15 minutes into that kind of worship session, we quickly realized that we were never going to get to the silent disco and we worshiped right the way through until 11 o'clock and I've no doubts that we would have continued worshiping through the night but there was a noise curfew at 11 so we had to stop um, and we, we wasted hundreds of pounds on silent disco equipment but it was um, so worth it because young people were choosing God over everything else uh, and there was a story of a, a young boy who Um, was staying at an Airbnb with his mom and he cried the whole way from the tent to his mom's car. He cried the whole way in the car to the Airbnb. And his mom, she's a pastor, so she sat him down in the kitchen and was like, like, what's going on? Like, what's going on? What are you feeling? And through his tears, through what God was doing in his heart, he managed to get one word out and he said this word, longing. He said, Longing. And the afternoon, we were inundated with messages from um, young people and requests from young people who, who wanted uh, another night of worship over the summer. And so in July, um, at Lagan Valley Vineyard in Lisbon, we gathered young people with um, no food, no games, no hype, just to worship God. And in the middle of summer, when people on holidays were, just under 100 young people came to worship God. And uh, again, there was just such a hunger and a power just in what God was doing in their lives. And um, I spoke to a girl that night and she said, um, before now, I never really read my Bible. Now I read it every day. You know, I am seeing significant transformation in a short window of time in numerous young people. Like God is using these young people and we just want to fan in the flame what he is doing in their lives and um, you know <laughs> I'm, I'm just watching God pursue a generation of young people and we're only getting started um, there's a greater longing there's a groaning of this generation they've never been more open to God and faith but I would ask this morning are, are we open to them are we open to them and not just financially, because we're so good at giving and we're so generous in that way, but are we open to them with our whole lives? Because we, we dream of a church that is intergenerational, where the young and old would connect and have conversations and share wisdom and dreams together. Um, that's what we dream of. So if you want more hunger, you need to get around these young people. Will we warm our hearts to the passion of the young? Because often when we age, we get a little cynical and we're, we hear these stories and we're just like, wait until life beats it out of them wait until they've got bills to pay or jobs to do. You know, but something happens whenever we get around young people. Something happens in our heart. It, it breaks off the cynicism. It breaks off the hard-heartedness. And you know what? Teenagers don't even want cool anymore. They just want real. Yes. They just want real. Uh, and so your age t- does not disqualify you. In fact, I think it's the very thing that God is inviting us into Teenagers don't need cool. They need mothers and fathers. They need older brothers and older sisters who are going to stand with them, encourage them, and champion them to believe the wild things that God wants to do in their lives. And so there's a generation of young people that have never been more open. And are we open to them? And I'm not, there might be people in the room who think I'm not passionate about youth. I don't think you need to be. Jesus wasn't passionate about washing the disciples' feet, but he did it to serve. And I think. Whenever we serve in areas where we're not passionate, it's often in those spaces where God actually reveals and we recognize what he has placed within us. And I know I'm a youth pastor. I know I'm a massive advocate for young people. But I'm, please hear my heart in this. I'm not just saying this because I want to persuade you to give us some help. I genuinely believe this in my heart. There is something happening in Gen Z. There, there is a shift in young people. Do you want to be a part of it? And so with all that to say, if you want to get involved in anything <laughs> that we're doing, um, please, please come and speak to me. Please be praying for us. Please be cheering these young people on as you see them come through our doors, particularly on Friday nights. We, we gather over 100 young people every Friday night to, to, to worship, to disciple them, to cheer them on, to follow Jesus, and um, to go after all that God has created them to be. So. Um, please come and speak to me if you want to get involved in that. Um, that would be great. Now, in the James three, um, yeah. So I need to remember to change the slides. Uh, this this kind of teach this morning is not like like real big, kind of inspiring. Let's get like give our lives to God. It's actually really deeply challenging, and um, I want you to hear my heart in this. Like I, uh, as I've prepared this, everything that I'm saying this morning, I'm saying to myself like. fully owning like I've I've been so so challenged I've had to repent of things as I've been preparing this message this week and um, James chapter 3 kind of focuses on two things taming the tongue uh, and wisdom and um, as I was preparing I kind of I wasn't sure what direction to take it I kind of wrote a bit of a sermon on taming the tongue and one on wisdom and kind of held them both before God and was like where do you sense this is going and kind of hearing from god so i feel like it's around him in the tongue um, if you want some notes around wisdom i can give you those but for time's sake i'm not going to um, get into the second part of this chapter but um, as we already know the book of james was almost certainly written um, by jesus half-brother james uh, and he was a leader of the jerusalem church he wrote as a pastor to instruct and encourage the dispersed um, people in the face of difficulty so in this Um, book we have so many practical instructions from a pastor um, to help his people to know what it looks like to live a life full of faith following Jesus in the midst of a hostile world and they're facing loads of difficulties. So um, this little book these five chapters was James's opportunity to get his instructions out to those Christians and so um, it's interesting what he chooses to include it in these five chapters led um, by the Spirit. And um, directed by God. And so it's, we need to take note of, of what he says. These are some of the most important instructions for us as we seek to follow Jesus in a hostile post Christian culture. Um, so let's listen um, to what he had to say. James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. A world of evil among parts of the body it corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell all kinds of animals birds reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind but no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison without uh, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings we've been made in God's, who have been made in God's likeness out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the sp- same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Neither can a, can a salt spring produce fresh water. It's um, deeply challenging stuff. Um, right at the heart of this book, there's five chapters. There's chapter three, right bang, in the middle. James is saying it's so important How we talk—it's almost like it impacts everything else around us. It's right bang in the center of this passage. So, firstly, as someone who grew up with uh, two very competitive brothers in the football culture and was often nicknamed Negative Norton growing up, this has been deeply um, challenging for me this week. I don't know if I'm the right person to be delivering this message, but God works in mysterious ways. Um, Secondly. It's important to note at the start that I don't think this side of heaven we're ever going to get to the point where we're never at fault for what we say, where our tongue is fully under control. That's why James preludes everything that he says about the tongue by saying we all stumble in many ways. And he goes on to say that no human being can tame the tongue. Like, is anyone so in control of their tongue that they could say they've no regrets, have caused no past wounds, have no words that they would want to take back? Like, we all stumble, don't we? But having said that, just because we won't reach perfection in this area doesn't mean that we don't need to address it and work on it and try and use our words for blessing. Just like we try to live more like Jesus every day of our lives, knowing that we won't ever fully be perfect like Jesus, we still have to work on this. And so firstly, our words are powerful. Our Bible has a lot to say about our words. It says uh, in Hebrews that God upholds the universe um, by his powerful word. We're told in Genesis that God created the universe by the words that he spoke. He created us in his image through the power of his words. If you think of the Ten Commandments, how many of those could be broken by our speech? We uh, worship other gods with our tongue. We can um, take the Lord's name in vain with our tongue. We can dishonor our mother and father with our tongue. We can commit adultery with the lustful words that we say. We can lie with our tongue. We can complain about and covet what, other have, what others have with our tongue. There's um, over 90 proverbs that speak about our speech more than money, more than sex, more than family, more than anything else. And so if we are to live well and to live wisely, we have so much to learn about the power of our tongue. It has immense power. Uh, I'm sure we're all familiar with those words, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever coined that phrase is an absolute, like, I need to tame my tongue. That's wrong, right? Um, because you know what? Nobody sits in hospital forever with a broken bone. But counsellor sofas are warmed by the people who sit week after week searching for healing from the harmful words that have been spoken into their lives. Some of the things that we hate most about ourselves are the things that other people have said about us or to us. Our words can damage the soul. And James uses three images to highlight the power of our words. He says our tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. Using a tiny piece of metal, a a rider can um, control a 1300 pound horse. A bit is merely the size of your hand, um, but it moves one of the most muscular mammals on earth. And so our tongue is powerful, it can help us control the rest of the body. Our tongue is like a rudder. It's hidden beneath the surface, but it creates major outward outcomes. Uh, A cargo ship the size of four football pitches is uh, directed by a rudder the size of a jet ski. And so our tongue can determine the direction of our lives, just like a rudder on a ship. Um, Our tongue is small, but it can steer our path in life You know, one single phrase can destroy a relationship. One lie can shatter trust. One outburst could cost you a job. And he says, our tongue is like a spark in a forest. Your tongue can have mass impact. It starts small, but it can grow into a blaze that engulfs everything in flames. A rumor is a spark, but a ruined reputation is a wildfire. A rant on Facebook is a spark, but it creates wildfire in the comments. A little lie is a spark, but it can burn your trustworthiness to the ground. And so James uses these three images to highlight um, that your tongue, one of the smallest organs in your body, can have the strongest impacts on your life and on other people's lives. So that's the first point. Our words are powerful. Secondly, our words are powerfully good, Our words can be powerfully bad. There's two sides to this. James said that with our our mouths we can bless and we can curse. Aesop says that the the tongue is the best and worst of things. Those who come on a Sunday morning and praise God and then head out to lunch and um, share the latest gossip. Those who say their morning prayers and then head into work with an agenda to get ahead by putting others down those who do their daily devotion and then hop on social media and post an angry rant or enforce their opinion. Blessing and cursing, all with the same tongue. And James says, this ought not to be so. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue. On one hand, our words can bring evil and destruction. On the other hand, our words can bring life and hope and blessing. When you speak negatively, when you gossip, when you put others down when you lie, when you curse, you're declaring and advancing the kingdom of darkness. When you speak positively, when you speak hope, when you encourage, when you tell the truth, when you uplift, you're declaring and advancing the kingdom of light. And so as the great Uncle Ben from Spider-Man said, with great power comes great responsibility. There's power in the tongue. How are you going to use it? How are you going to use it? Our, our words have the power to wound the people that we love the most. I'm sure there's been many times where we have caused hurt for someone um, by saying something that we regret. Um, our words can make us, want, uh, make us want to have a time machine. You know, as soon as we spill words out of our mouth, we want to take them back. It's like that analogy with the toothpaste. When you squeeze the toothpaste out, you can't get it back in. Once they're out there, they're out there. And um, if I'm being really honest... Um, One of the biggest regrets of my life was um, a time back at school where I said something that I massively regretted um, to somebody that was really close to me. So with a good friend of mine, we were kind of bantering back and forth in class. And then I said something um, about his skin. And um, we just went on through our day as normal, thought nothing else of it. And in the afternoon, he went home sick and he wasn't in school the next day, he was unwell. And I just thought he was unwell until a few days later he informed me that he went home because of the thing that I had said. And that hit hit me deep. You know, my heart sank. I wanted to curl up and hide and um, felt so bad. And I didn't actually realize that he was dealing with like self-confidence. And so the wound cut so deep. And thankfully we um, resolved that and we're really close friends still today, which is great. But I'm telling you this story to help us realize that even the smallest negative comment, like what I said was not even that bad, but the smallest negative comment can cause deep hurt and pain to the people that we actually love the most. But the flip side of this is also true. It says in Proverbs 18.4, a person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. That's the wrong one, that one. Um, And so there's a story of a child who... um, he comes home from school. His teacher had given him a letter to give to his mom. And he said, only your mom is to read this. So he comes home, gives a letter to his mom. And he kind of says, mom, what does it say? What does it say? Uh, and his mom starts to well up. And she reads the letter to her son. And it says, your son is a genius. We don't have the teachers here to train him. Please teach him yourself. Uh, and so many years later, this child's grown up to be a man. And um, his mom passes away. And he's going through her stuff. And um, he comes across this letter that the teacher had given to his mom back when he was in school. And he opens up a letter and it reads, um, Your son is mentally deficient. We don't have space for him in our school. He is expelled. And do you know who that was? It was Thomas Edison. The guy who created the light bulb. One of the greatest inventors of all time. And he later wrote this in his diary. Thomas Edison was a mentally deficient child whose mother turned him into the genius of the century. Thomas Edison's mom championed her son, and that positive encouragement determined the direction of uh, Thomas Edison's life. So as Christians, we are called to bring light into the world we have a unique opportunity to encourage those around us and to speak life into them with so much negativity on the news and in the media. We as Christians have good news and we can speak hope and life into our friends, into our town and over situations. We can help usher in the kingdom of God into our city and into people's lives by speaking words of truth and speaking words of life. And so with great power comes great responsibility. And James says you need to get control of the words that you say. If you want to be full of faith, living for Jesus in a hostile world, you must learn to control your tongue and use it in the right way. And so what should we do? We're in this dilemma where James says no human being can tame the tongue. But he's telling us we need to tame our tongue. So what do we do? He says no human being can tame the tongue. That doesn't mean that no one can. So we need to allow God to work in our hearts. You can't tame your tongue, but the one who made it can. And the way that we tame our tongue is by a change of heart. And the one who can change our heart is God, the one who put our hearts in us. So listen to the words in Matthew that Jesus says, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. If we have envy and selfish ambition in our hearts, then we're likely to put others down out of jealousy, maybe manipulate our words um, to boost our own agenda or to show ourselves in a better light. If we are content and at peace with who we are and who God has created us to be and what he has given us, then we're more likely to prefer others to, um, to want the best for them and to speak blessing over their lives. Our language and how we talk is an overflow of our heart. If you're carrying around jealousy or envy sooner or later, that's going to come out in the words that you say. If you're harboring bitterness or hatred for someone sooner or later, that's going to come out. You know when you're talking to someone about somebody else and you can just tell when you're talking to that person that they're holding a grudge by the words that they say and the tone that they use. It comes out. Same is true when you see people that are falling in love, when you see people start to develop feelings for one another. Sooner or later, that comes out and someone will say those words, I love you. And Paul says in Romans ten nine, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord um, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Because what you declare with your mouth reveals what is going on in your heart. So we need to be a people that are continually presenting and examining our hearts before God, inviting Him in to come and reveal stuff that shouldn't be there. And when God does reveal stuff, because there will be stuff, we need to be willing to put in the hard and painful work to deal with it. So I wonder what's going on in your heart this morning. What stuff do we need to deal with to ensure that we are a people who speak words of life and not words of death? Secondly, we need to remember that you're going to have to give an account. Matthew or J- Jesus, in the next verse of Matthew, says these words. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Remember that you're going to have to give an account for every empty word, for every word that isn't conducive to the glory of God. You're going to have to give an account. So good, a good question to ask yourself <laughs> about your words is are you going to want to have to explain this to Jesus on the day of judgment thirdly James gives us some good advice way back in chapter one he says be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry do you want to use wiser words then you need to speak less and listen more when you listen with intention you'll begin to understand where the other person is coming from when you feel conflict arise focus on hearing the other person God gave us one mouth and two ears, so we need to listen twice as much as we speak. Be slow to become angry. If we're slow to become angry, we're less likely to say something in an angry outburst that we're going to regret. Saving a relationship is so much more important than winning a heated argument. Be slow to become angry. Four, feast on the word of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Allowing the word of God to dwell in us will help us use our tongue to glorify God. As we study, as we learn, as we take in scripture, the word of God does its own spiritual work in us. As the words of God are digested, as the bread of life, they begin to form our thinking and our affections, and the word of God that is written on our hearts begins to overflow out in their everyday conversation. I'm sure if you've ever spoken to my dad, comes along here, you'll realize that he has an English accent. It's because he spent many years growing up and living in England. And people often ask him, like, where are you from? Where are your parents from? To whom do you belong? Imagine if we spent so much time growing up and living in the Word of God that we developed a Jesus-like language that people would ask us, like, where are they from? Who do you belong? They notice something different about our language. And finally, Speak evil of no one. Titus says this in three two. Titus three two, and Paul continues Ephesians 4 four twenty nine. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And so, the, that that advice that I would say most parents in the room have probably used with their kids at some point: if you've nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. Is pretty pretty helpful here. If it doesn't glorify God in some way, if it doesn't encourage the listener, listener, then it's probably not worth saying. And there's a like an acronym for think that you see around school, schools all the time on their wallboards. It goes, I like guess, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it important? Is it necessary? Is it kind? That is a good guide um, for our words and how we speak and what we should be saying. But rather than just If we've nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. Peter goes a step further, uh, and he says in 1 Peter 3, 9, Do not repay evil with evil, but on the contrary, bless. And it says in Luke, to bless those who curse us. So we have to go a step further. This this is Christ-likeness. This is Christian maturity. This is the enemy love that we're called to. This reveals the heart of the Father. This is an opportunity to bless and advance the gospel. Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, uh, I've got a funny video that helps emphasize this point, so this is a bit of a treat for you this morning. Um, I was kind of humming and half whether I should play it, but I hope you enjoy it, and we will chat after. So watch the screen.
1: Get you to stop being mean. You can make fun of my high forehead, my pointy nose. You can make fun of my ugly clothes. Here's how the game works. It's pretty brilliant. I'm going to try to get you to stop
0: Hold on, that's out of sync. I'm going to try to get the words to line up or else it will not make sense.
1: get you to stop being mean. You can make fun of my high forehead, my pointy nose. You can make you fun understand. of my ugly clothes. Here's how the game works. It's pretty brilliant. I'm going to try to get you to stop being mean. And if I can stop you from being mean, I win. But if I can't stop you and you keep being mean to me, you win. Okay? So the goal is not to give up. You call me an idiot and you keep making fun of me. I'm going to try to stop you. On the count of three, everyone say action. One, two, three. One, call me an idiot. You're an idiot. What'd you say? You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're ugly. That hurts my feelings. Yeah, like I care. I'm going to get you in trouble. Sure, short stuff. I'm taller than you. Shut up! You call me an idiot one more time and I will windmill kick your face. Like I care, like you could do anything in those clothes. These clothes are freaking awesome, okay? Sure, plaid and sweater vest. Oh, you have eyes, you can see. Stop being mean. I hate your face. Stop being mean. I hate blonde people. Alright, give her a big hand clap, she did great. Alright, now hold on, hold on. Good job. All right. I tried to stop you. I couldn't. You did a great job. Um, we're gonna play one last time. Same rules. You can call me an idiot. I'm gonna try to stop you. Don't let me stop you. Okay? You keep being mean to me. You think I can stop her? No. 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 All right. I'll try. Here we go. On the count of three, everyone say action. One, two, three. Go ahead and call me an idiot. You're an idiot. Oh, you think I'm an idiot? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do stupid things. That's true. Yeah, you do. You always do stupid things. I know, you're so smart, you're so lucky. Yes, I am. You're awesome. Thank you, and you're not. I know, we, we established that. Go cool. look, my happiness is not based on whether you think I'm cool or not. I'm gonna be happy even if you hate my guts. Okay. <laughs> and I'll always be nice to you, sweetheart. Okay. No. Isn't she lovely? Thank you. You're welcome. I won. Give me a big hand clap. That was awesome.
0: Good stuff. Um, just as we kind of draw us in there close, the close, invite the band back up just for a few minutes. It would be great if they are about. Um, I know that wasn't really lined up. Um, but you get the point of it right that the guy when he was fighting evil with evil it just led to things getting worse and worse and more mean and nastier but whenever he fought evil with good and spoke words of life and blessing and encouragement then it just completely disarmed the evil the evil was overcome with the good and that's what we as christians are called to do with our words you know there there's death and life are in the power of the tongue we're to be set apart from the world and how we speak. We can overcome the negative, pessimistic, often uh, dark and hopeless world with our positive, hope-filled, life-giving kingdom perspective. We can overcome the evil, the darkness, the negativity in our world with the hope that we have and speak life and so just as a band player we're not going to sing or anything we've only a a couple minutes I just want you to reflect where you are because I know as I've been um, preparing this this week there's been areas of, of, of my heart that I've had to just allow God to come in and do the work there's been areas where I've had to repent of things that I've said that were not words of life And this, like, this is the word of God. This is serious. You know, we we can all just go, oh, wasn't that a nice message? And I'll try and use use words better. But actually, this is life and death. It's, It's important. So just where you are, let's just take a few minutes and invite God in to reveal the stuff in our heart that we need to work on or remove. It could be That there's unforgiveness. It could be that you are harboring a bit of bitterness towards someone for something that they've maybe said to you. It could be you need to ask God for forgiveness this morning for something you said in the past week. Maybe there's really competition with someone in your work and you've been trying to get ahead by putting them down. Or speaking negatively about them to the other people. Maybe you've maybe unintentionally spread a rumor or gossiped. It's so easy to get drawn into that. We need to speak with a different language. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and minister to our hearts. We give you full access. We wanna be zero resistant to you. We welcome your rebuke and your correction because we want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to advance your kingdom of light. We want to be a people who speak words of blessing and life. that we could change the direction or steer the path of somebody else's life by the words that we say. team the tongue God but you can so we invite you in Lord, we're sorry and we repent for the times where we have partnered with the kingdom of darkness and spoke those negative words of death over situations, over our town, even over our, our friends or people that we know. We want to partner with the kingdom of light. We want to speak life over our town. We want to speak the hope of Jesus into the people around us. And so God, as we go forth from this place today, would we be a people who speak words of life and not death? Would we be a people who see things with a kingdom perspective? Would we prefer others? Would we bless others? Would we repay evil with good even when that's hard? examine our hearts before you to continue to live in the word of God so that we could be set apart from the world so that we could speak with a Jesus like language so that we could live full of faith following Jesus in this hostile post-Christian world so just come in each of our hearts and do what only you can do do your work in our hearts we pray in Jesus name Amen Amen Um, there will be some of our our elders and uh, Dave and Rick are up here too if you want to respond if you want prayer for any of the stuff that we've talked about then please feel free to use this space up here at the front but that that's us finished Um, you can go and relieve the kids workers and collect your kids hope you all have a, a fantastic week um, and you can go grab your, your tea and coffee God bless we hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast for more information about our church and all that we do please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.